It is fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's exhausting. I bet. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, exhausting in a good way. Right? Because, okay, so Super Killer, Indiegogo, you're well past 20,000 now, yeah? Yeah. What are we, yeah, what are we at? Like 2022 20, or something? All right, we're on our way to 25. 22.9. Yeah. That's not bad. That's not bad. And badly, though, because I had stretch goals, and stretch goals were like, if we hit 10,000, guys, can you do that? And I'm like, oh, God, I'm out of stretch goals. So uh, that's what I'm trying to fix today. It's a constantly moving ballet. But cool. Yeah, congratulations. It's awesome. Um, and it gives us an excuse yeah. to, to finally actually talk. I know. And it's great. It's, it's, yeah. We've been uh, talking uh, through DMs for you know, a couple a of while. years. Yeah. Yeah. You, you've started your own kind of YouTube journey, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm at like 12,000 something, which, you know, it's, it's, it's really a big good. thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, honestly, and I, and I don't want to, you know, discourage anything. I think just YouTube right now, it's a, it feels harder to grow yeah. now. I think with shorts and other weird stuff, there's a lot of stuff competing for people's like eyeballs. TikTok but, and yeah, it's literally Twitter just like video. Keep, <laughs> keep at it. You get a couple hits and like it, it, it becomes exponential at a certain point. I just need more rings of power. I think I doubled my subscriber base from <laughs> rings of power. It so you're wild. smart. You find something that works and you stick with it. I'm an idiot. Like I was getting huge views on Star Wars stuff. And I was like, well, people don't just want me to talk about Star Wars. And now looking back, I go, man, if you just kept talking about Star Wars and nonstop, <laughs> right. way bigger. But I think I probably would have thrown myself off a cliff if I only talked about Star Wars. <laughs> but Star Wars is always so great and enjoyable. <laughs> well, that's the problem is if I get talking about it, I will become obsessive with it. Like, mm -hmm. we'll still have, you know, two-hour conversations about Star Wars. And then I go, why am I wasting all this brain power <laughs> being upset at the, the sequel trilogy? It's just uh, baffling how badly screwed it up. If only YouTube uh, but, had really been around during the prequel trilogy. That could have been heady uh, days. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you're a Red Letter Media fan, but they put out their prequel reviews, you know, years after the fact. And yeah. Actually huge inspirations to me. I was like, oh, my God, this is what a movie review can be. I mean, let's be clear. I ripped off Red Letter Media, but hopefully I did it with <laughs> enough style and grace that it's OK. Yeah. Everybody rips off everybody. That's that's just the reality of you call it inspiration. And there you go. Yes. It. Yes, inspiration. <laughs> Everyone is inspired by everybody. Inspired <laughs> to rip you off. Uh, so yeah, uh, I've I've been very excited. The comic book uh, is going great. I didn't know how this would do because it's it, right now it's it's weird. It's like there's a lot of YouTube guys making comic books. Uh, I hope people don't think that it's like some dumb cash grab. Like, oh, all these YouTube guys are making comic books. They don't actually care about comics. Like, I was actually digging up my old school notebooks because this book I'm doing, Super Killer, is actually based on an idea I had, like, in high school, which you could say is like, oh, God, you're going back to the well for that. And it's like, well, no, it was a really good idea. Uh, and honestly, the reason I wanted to do this is because I, I kind of fell into YouTube by, I don't want to say by accident, but it was never, like, my main goal. I always wanted to like be writing and like making stories. I actually spent like all this time writing the great American novel. And it was, you know, this hundred thousand page or word thing. And I was like, oh, this is going to be great. It's going to kickstart my career. And then uh, nobody cares about books <laughs> or nobody cares about books from dumb, fat, white guys. They're like, I don't know. We don't, we don't need this. 
They're like, is it a is it a is it a young girl in a dystopian future? And I'm like, no, it's about white guy problems. And they're like, ah, we don't care about that. So I kind of got into YouTube, but the, the whole thing was I'm like, well, here's where I can build an audience to hopefully prove to them, hey, I'm funny, I have fun ideas, I care deeply about storytelling, which is why I pick apart, you know, these terrible Star Wars movies and whatever else. And now finally I'm able to manifest in, in, out of the ether. You know, a creative work, something with a plot and a story, and I'm, I'm more excited about this than anything. It, it's fantastic, and I'm glad people are giving me the chance to tell stories, which is what I want to do. Yeah. So, how did you, um, like, how did it come? Like, you say out of the ether, but clearly, yeah. that's that's you know, that's that's <laughs> glossing over a few details. Like, what what when did you when did you actually when did the light bulb like go off and you're like, okay, I'm going to do this. Like, and here's how I'm going to do this, and here's who I'm going to like who you know you have artists think, working with yeah. you how did that all come together so i think i had seen somebody you know obviously i'm you know i'm a big guy on kickstarter and indiegogo i've worked for companies uh putting together a lot of stuff in the board game space so i'm always looking at like what's going on on crowdfunding and i saw that people were you know starting to crowdfund comics and it used to be you would put out a you know like a crowdfunding comic and people were like ah comics who cares and you'd raise like you know a thousand bucks two thousand bucks and let's be clear, I can't, I don't know how some of these guys make a comic on $2,000. I'm like, I got to pay my artist more than $2,000. Gee whiz. But then I saw like there was kind of this growing movement that people were like, okay, well, you know, let's back these guys and actually give them the money they make, they need to make an incredible book. And I was like, wait, I, you know, I have all these ideas that I've always, you know, pri prior to working on Super Killer, I was trying to pitch an animated series in Hollywood that went nowhere. You know, I've filmed pilots for tv shows i've always worked in like the video medium just because i i don't know how to draw i was like well i can't draw i can't make a comic i can make a movie or, or a, you know a tv show or something but then i was like wait idiot you can hire an artist <laughs> like you, you've reached the and, and now that we have tech there are more artists than ever before because they have you know you can buy a drawing tablet now for like 50 bucks like we've reached this point this perfect apex of technology and also there's just art tutorials online and everywhere that there's all these artists who are fantastic or are looking to make stuff and i was like so I, i'm in a position where i have a great story and i know i i have a great storyteller again i'm more from the realm of like film and tv because that's what i know but i'm like i think I, I could write a comic and get a guy to help me make it uh and i luckily i mean i i went crazy trying to find the right artist for this project because there's a lot of artists out there i'm not gonna knock them some of them are better than others let's put it that way <laughs> you know but i was digging through facebook artist groups like going through like years of archives being like eh, maybe 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 and i found this guy's post from like a year and a half ago his name's ketter lebeau he's a guy out of, out of mexico and he's like hey i'm a comic artist i'm looking for some work and I'm like, how has no one hired this guy? He's fantastic. Oh, my God. So I managed to connect up with this guy. I gave him the pitch. Thankfully, he loved the pitch. He thought it was hilarious. And uh, for the last year or so, we've just been kind of workshopping this thing, you know, getting pages done, putting together promotional material. And it's finally really starting to come together. And, of course, now that we have the funding, uh, it, it's going to be gangbusters. We're going to be able to do so much. So, um, so super killer is the story of a, an agent who is sent to kill primary heroes in various worlds in these, in universes that need to be like unplugged from the multiverse. Is that right? Kind of the, 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 the short version. Yeah. 
Some people like struggle to get their heads around it, but the basic idea is that there is a multiverse. You know, there's multiple universes. I don't want to give away exactly what's going on, but there is this certain interdimensional agency that's like, guys, here's the deal. Uh, multiverses keep getting created. It just happens. They pop out of nowhere and they suck energy out of the system. Okay. And if they keep getting created and we don't do anything about it, they're all going to collapse in order on each other. And then we have no worlds left. So what's the fairest way to handle this? Uh, I won't say exactly how they pick worlds for demolition, but basically they pick worlds and they say, let's just knock this one off. But these worlds, these universes, they have their own, uh, what do you call it? Almost like an immune system is that they always have a chosen one. There's always like the primary hero of the universe, the one who will save us all. And the universe goes, well, as long as I got my chosen one, I'm fine. So, and normally if you kill a chosen one, you know, like a Luke Skywalker or a Superman or whatever. Uh, normally within these universes, that power will then transfer to a different individual within the universe. But these guys have devised a way that their agents, their assassins can kill this individual. It disrupts the protocol. So the chosen one, you know, title does not pass on to another individual. And the universe goes, I don't have a chosen one. I'm screwed. And basically unplugs themselves from the multiversal stack, thus freeing up energies for more universes. Uh, what this means though, is that the book, I mean, it's a dark comedy is that you have a guy whose job is to go and end worlds, you know, he shows up, shoots people in the head and then, you know, billions of people end up having their world destroyed. And it's kind of, you know, a guy going, look, I don't like that. I have to do it. I don't like this job. You know, he's very, uh, got a very dark sense of humor about it. He's like, well, but what am I going to do? I mean, it's my job. And if I don't do it, all the worlds end. So he has to justify it to himself. And that's kind of where the comedy comes in is like, how do you take a guy who's probably the worst villain in history, literally ending <laughs> billions of lives and try to make that a likable, interesting character that people go, yeah, but I kind of like him. So that's, that's kind of the conundrum that I'm up against. And there's been a lot of like hand wringing of him. Like, man, is this too dark? Like, are people going to be able to get behind a guy who ends worlds? And I'm like, you know what? The, the the best advice I ever give people as a creative is if you have an idea that seems insane, it's probably the best idea you've ever had. <laughs> just push through. Uh, and that's been so true about so much of my stuff. I don't know if you, what YouTube videos of mine you've seen. Like the one where I went to uh, Berkeley, there was a big protest. Mm. I handed out cans of Pepsi to make fun of the Kendall Jenner commercial. Did you ever see that one? <laughs> I don't. Th- no, I, I think I think the one that sticks out for me is your Dave Chappelle protest the dave chappelle thing again yeah. this is mm-hmm. a terrible idea is that everyone <laughs> is protesting dave chappelle and me and my friend are going to show up with signs that say we like jokes and everyone's <laughs> going to be mad at us and they're going to attack us they literally shoved dick into a planner and almost cracked his head open yeah and i tell people i go yeah that was bad some antifa guys were very upset with us and some violence <laughs> did take place i have a whole video on that which people should watch but I tell people, listen, if you have an insane idea, it might be, and it might be your worst idea. Sometimes I've had insane ideas that go nowhere. <laughs> but but a lot of the times, <laughs> all my best ideas have been me going, what the hell am I doing? Why am I doing this? And just pushing through the madness. And at the end of it, you go, I'm, I'm glad I did that. I'm glad I, I believed in the insanity. Dur- during that uh, Chappelle counter protest, the jokes are funny yeah. counter. Did you ever feel a little nervous? Like, someone was going to actually like like yes. shoot you or something <laughs> like, it got pretty hot like it so, got pretty hairy there yeah <laughs> big moment which which we're so lucky that some guy got it like a perfect angle and put it on tape someone else got the footage was i was you know standing around with my sign 
Uh, and this guy, you know, the sign again says, we like jokes. So the idea was, and we talked about this ahead of time, we're like, okay, well, we want to go counter protest. Do we have signs, you know, and, D- and Dick was like, well, maybe we have signs that say like, we support black comedians or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, it's too on the nose. It's like too much. Like literally <laughs> all we need to say is we like jokes. And the fact that that's going to piss people off, that's funny. Like that's ridiculous. How could you argue with a statement? Like we like jokes. But I'm there and I'm holding the sign that says, we like jokes. And this very angry guy who we later found out is the head writer for the Frasier reboot, which makes no sense, gets mad and grabs my hand out of my sign out of my hands, snaps it in half the uh, the stick that was holding it. And he and then he I'm still holding the, you know, the other broken half of the stick that previously had a sign attached to it. And he points at me and he starts yelling, this guy's got a weapon. And I'm like, what the hell? That was the point where I was like, I started looking. There were some like security guards, but it was clear they were like, you know, cheap rena cops. Because I'm kind of looking at them like, hey guys, this might go south real quick. <laughs> like I've I've been to some of this Antifa stuff before. When someone yells, "This guy's got a weapon," uh, it can turn into a street beatdown pretty quickly. Uh, luckily, I think I had a protective wall of like just angry hippie women in front of me. So the Antifa guys couldn't rush me yet. Like I had to deal with all those women. first. So but I did. I did. Honestly, I started if you watch the video, I kind of start stepping back and I'm like, hey, man, we're cool. You know, uh, I also yeah, do this I, thing. I where, remember that. I remember yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, that was wild. You gotta def- and you know, I also diffuse the crowd by going like, look, I'm just a big fat idiot. You know, and I'm kind of <laughs> laughing to myself. I'm like. Clearly, I'm not going to hit anybody. I'm too much of a pussy. Leave me alone. <laughs> I think. I think when you look at a guy like me and you go, "Oh, he's probably like mentally handicapped. Let's not beat him up." Uh, that's that's the vibe I try to give off in in my everyday uh, situations. But yeah, it could. I mean, it did go bad for my buddy Dick. He got accused of like, uh, you you got to watch the video I have on my YouTube where we have the footage where. He's holding his sign, and then a guy forces himself between Dick and the sign. So it's kind of like looked like he, Dick had him like was like hugging him or something. Mm. And then somebody accused him of choking the guy, and it's like the guy stepped between him and the sign. Like he's not choking him. <laughs> Turned into a whole violent altercation. Oh, uh, yeah, I mean there is pe- people are some, of these, some of these guys. <laughs> well, if they think they're on the right side of history, the, the most dangerous thing is a guy on the right side of history yeah. because everything he does is justified by the history books, right? Yeah. You know, he thinks he's going to be the man who shot Hitler, so he has every right to open fire on you, and and you have to worry about those people who have that kind of ideology. It's just that now Dave Chappelle is Hitler, so uh, we live right. <laughs> <laughs> we live in a very interesting moment in history for sure. <laughs> there are people who've tried to assault Dave Chappelle. Like yeah. that's horrifying. It, it it is horrifying the state that comedian uh, comedy is in. I mean, yeah. you see videos of comedians on like stages getting attacked by audience members who are offended and whatever else. You're know, like, what happened to the the standard of understanding that someone's putting on a show that they're, you know, telling a joke and maybe you don't like it. Okay, and that's your right, and you can leave. But you don't you don't beat up a guy for uh for bacon jokes. It's crazy where we're landing right now with some of the rhetoric. Well, yeah, I mean, it just it, you look at like you know some of George Carlin stuff, and then uh, you know where we are now. What 30, 40 years later, and you think, wait, how <laughs> how have we gone? It's almost full circle. Um, but yeah. that's kind of also part of your motivating, like in your pitch for the super killer uh, comic, is like well. You know, I want to do something funny that the mainstream isn't doing. 
uh, that's, Dude, I'm, I mean, you, you, yeah. you, do you see that? Like, like the mainstream as, um, almost self-censorious, like they're, they're, they're clamping down on kind of like unacceptable humor or unacceptable. Well, there's just lots I of unacceptable. I am, I am, I am deeply worried about the future of comedy. Uh, you know, not to get too serious or whatever, but like when I see, comedians forced to grovel and apologize for material that five years ago was probably fine six ten years ago i mean once uh you know you had a bunch of stuff during black lives matter you had tina fey come out apologizing oh i can't believe we made this joke on 30 rock and they were deleting episodes of aqua teen hunger force deleting episodes of the office or scenes i mean there's there's an entire episode bob and david i don't know if you're a mr show fan bob odenkirk david cross uh, they had a Netflix show and there was one sketch where they're very clearly making fun of an idiot character and the character, you know, puts on blackface to try and piss off the cops. They didn't even delete that one scene. They just deleted the whole episode. Hmm. Like you can't watch. You, you Hopefully you have an archive of it somewhere, you know, all to appease this angry mob, which I understand. L- l- let's be clear. This is not me saying, you know, I don't understand the plight of the marginalized and I totally empathize with all that, but I don't see why we can't also have comedy that is, and these jokes were not poking fun at the marginalized. These were jokes at the expense of the characters. Right. It's just bizarre. Yeah, that's, to see. that's the irony, right? Is that a lot yeah. of this comedy, it, it is it, progressive. It, it was right. progressive. They were, right. It was look at how stupid this guy is. Mm-hmm. There's such a great office uh, scene that they got rid of, which was their, celebrating christmas or whatever and they're doing like a traditional a norwegian christmas or whatever and then uh one of the guys uh is coming in dressed as like this actual norwegian tradition where they dress up in like full blackface as elves or whatever and he gets a text from his buddy like it's a no-go turn around <laughs> and it's just this great visual image of him like turning around and walking back to the car and that scene is gone now oh, it's is a joke at the expense of we have different cultural norms that isn't acceptable can you believe it used to be and we can't well yeah i mean some of the office's funniest moments are are racial like awkwardness or like you know you know just based around yeah uh those you know just how horrible it is people yes (laughs) and racism that's the thing is racism exists we know it exists so what is the benefit of pretending that it doesn't in the world of comedy, would it not be better to have racists in the world of comedy and make fun of them and make fun of racism and what, but instead it's just, everybody is so terrified of being canceled or accused of being impure that they go, you know what? Let's not even touch it. Let's just make jokes about cereal brands and airplanes and the most boring stuff in the world. And it breaks my heart. Cause I, I was a huge office fan. I was a huge fan of a lot of these sitcoms, 30 rock and Brooklyn, Whatever the hell. And uh, <laughs> I honestly, nine nine. Those, but... <laughs> the nine nine. Oh, I was, there was one other one that I really like. Uh, Parks and Rec. Like, I do like, I do like, no, I didn't like Parks and Rec. I do like Curb Your Enthusiasm. And I think Curb yeah. is one of those shows that has stayed yeah. uh, pretty true and being a little bit edgy. Maybe because it's on HBO, it can get away with it. But I used to actually get excited about watching network television. If, believe it or not, I was like, wow, there's some funny stuff on network TV. Now you could not name a single network TV show that uh, the comedy uh, sitcom anything. They don't make comedy movies anymore. Uh, that because it's all just terrible. I mean, the guy who made Joker used to make the Hangover films, 
And famously, an interviewer asked him, "Is like, would you ever go back to comedy?" He's like, "Comedy? We're not allowed to make comedies anymore." <laughs> and I'm like, "He's right. We're not. It's just the studios don't want to touch it yeah. because they're just too worried of the backlash. They they don't care." Well, the, the last theory, not to not to be too long winded, it's my theory that the studios right now are waiting for independent comedians to show up, like shock the audiences back into accepting comedy again. And at some point, we're going to have the first, you know, another big indie comedy. Something's going to come out. It's going to make like a hundred million, two hundred million dollars off a, you know, two million dollar budget or whatever. Some stupid indie comedy. And then the studios are going to go, oh, okay, we can make comedies again. I think it's up to independence to change the audience's mind because the studios are too afraid to do anything. Well, there's going to be a backlash. There's always it's it's it, yeah. it happens in cycles, right? You know, like it's happening. You know, the PC yeah. we've had a we've had PC. You know, political correctness take over everything before, and then we've seen it, you know, lo- lose popularity yeah, and go it away. Does go again. back and forth, and now it's back again. And now it's just now it's back with the the full brunt of social media and you know the internet. You know, which we didn't. Yeah. You know, you know, I'd say PC culture in the in the eighties gave way in the nineties. You know, probably around the time Tarantino started making movies, and now it's back, but with Twitter uh, and yeah. you know all that shit. Um, the last, the last movie I bought an actual Blu-ray of was uh, Tropic Thunder because I keep thinking they're gonna they're gonna delete <laughs> that from the internet at some point. Um, I, it's always it always cracks me up when people when I see people on Twitter freaking out about Robert Downey Jr. in blackface. That was my most <laughs> viral tweet ever. Was oh, yeah? I made a tweet? Yeah, <laughs> I, I made a tweet and it's I said my favorite tweet genre is young people discovering the movie <laughs> Tropic Thunder. Yes. And I just had a bunch of screenshots of people going, wait a minute, Iron Man did blackface? Because <laughs> there's a new generation that doesn't know. Yeah. And that tweet literally had like news articles, because like, it went, <laughs> it had like, like millions of retweets. I wish I hadn't have deleted it. But uh, yeah, it is true that we have a young generation, which it, it seems like there's a split. There's a certain amount of the young generation that totally buys in to the PC politics and they go, we, we should not joke about anything. You know, everybody should be enshrined and feel magical all of the time. And then I do think there is, you know, I'm seeing a more growing uh, group. I don't know more in terms of numbers, but it's happening more and more where they're going, Hey, this is stupid. We want to joke around. We're kids. You know, mm-hmm. we're constantly being forced to bite our tongues. Some of this seems silly. I mean, I'm seeing kids and they're like, why do I got to say my pronouns at the beginning of every class period? Like, you know <laughs> what they are, it's not, you know, and I think you are going to see that pushback uh, from people who go, okay, we've gone that. And that's kind of the important yin yang is like we do. Yes, we do need to push the edge of pro- progressiveness every now and again. So, you know, we learn more and more about the human condition and there are, you know, different types of people who, uh, you know, are deserving of acceptance that maybe weren't before. But we also, you know, sometimes push way too far mm-hmm. and then we bring it back in. And we go, okay, we're kind of comfortable here. It's just hard when you're an asshole like me, an asshole, <laughs> and you're living in the let's, you know, see how far we can push progressive this era. And you're like, I don't belong here. Snap back already. I keep waiting for this to be fun again. Yeah. Uh, it's driving me nuts. Yeah. I mean, some of it, I think, is like. I mean, some of what we see now, I think, is just kind of, and I talked about this before, but youthful rebellion, like some of this, you know, all the, you know, we've seen a lot of like push into, you know, pronouns and stuff, like you said, that's like, this is sort of like every generation has to carve out its identity and push back against the older generation. And so so, Mm -hmm. to some degree, I think there's some of that going on. 
And then we'll see an even younger generation say, fuck that. I'm so sick of these rules. There's a lot of rules in this youthful rebellion that we're seeing right now. And one of them is you, is you really can't be funny. Um, which is you not, know, not, you can only make certain jokes. Yeah. It's right. It's, it's very limited. Uh, um, but luckily again, in the independent sphere, I don't, we don't have to play by those rules. Like if I took this book to a publisher and again, this book, you know, has some jokes at one point, you know, there's a Superman character and we find out he has a gay lover and it's talking about, I, I knew, uh, something was up because how could you attach nipple clamps to a man with indestructible skin? Clearly, you know, you see them practicing BDSM or whatever. And you're going, clearly, you must have a shard of, you know, this world's version of kryptonite. You know, and if I tried to bring that to a publisher, they'd be like, you know, we don't really want to touch, you know, him <laughs> having a gay lover and them doing weird BDSM sex shit. And now it's but here it's like, it's funny. I can do it. And thankfully, it's for my audience. So nobody can get mad at me. I'm not, you know, somebody can get mad at you. Well, I already have some people who are mad at me for some reason. So. But we can have fun and we can make fun. There's so much fun to be had with all of these concepts that it is sad when people tell you, oh, you can't joke about that. You're going to offend somebody. It's like, well, isn't that the point? It drives you nuts. Yeah. I mean, and that is a good question. Like, what is, and I feel, I feel like that's a question that's really lost on a lot of people is like, why is it so bad to be offended? I mean, is right. being offended, I mean, it, it, I guess it depends, right? I mean, it depends on what's going yeah. on. There's some truly egregious things that happen to people. Obviously, we don't want that. But just having something, some sacred cow uh, tested in your personal life is not the end of the world, especially if it's funny. Um, so it really, it's like, what's the point of the joke? Is the joke to say that this group of people is genuinely less intelligent or less deserving of respect than anyone else? Or is it just to say, well, hey, life is weird. Life is weird and there's different types of people and we have differences between us and it's fun to celebrate those differences. I mean, a good argument is, you know, the character Apu from the Simpsons where people go, you know, some people go, oh, that's such a horrible uh, stereotypical character. And I go, well, I think Apu, I don't think the the joke is, oh, look at this dumb idiot and he talks like an idiot and whatever else. If anything, Apu was always a very intellectual character or whatever. Uh, It's just, it was more like, Hey, what, what, what does American culture look like from that perspective? And also just, you know, our accents inherently offensive. I would say just people like accents, you know, mm-hmm. you do a goofy Italian accent. People don't accuse you of racism. You go, ah, the pizza pie, the meatball. It's, it's the sing song nature of, of human language. It's the, these interesting differences between us that we like and we celebrate and we find humorous. And some people have tried to define that as offensive. And, and I just, I reject it. Well, The Simpsons is an interesting case. I mean, for one thing, a lot of the characters are stereotypes. Uh, right. So you can't really say that one being a stereotype is offensive if so many of them are stereotypes. Um, but also because the voice the, the voice actors, the whole production uh, agreed that only people of the, of the race of the character would voice that race in the future. But I, right. so no, you know, but so, but they're all yellow. <laughs> except for dr hibbert for some yeah, I mean, they're they're black people in simpsons are, it's like well we got to make sure that you know they're black <laughs> it's just it's it's just you know and i that's another thing like voice voice actors having to be the race of the animated character yeah. in their show or or movie is completely bizarre to me um especially going even you know, beyond that that you have to now share the gen the uh mm-hmm. gender identity of the character it's like if you're a 
cisgender man you can't voice a trans man or a trans lady or uh and i'm like i i a woman has been voicing <laughs> bart simpson for decades wow like, <laughs> I mean, for some reason that's a <laughs> it's a complicated subject there's like too many hairs to pull apart but it's it is like look i i understand that some of you maybe have been unable to get employment opportunities and i do think you know, everybody should have a fair share shake at the job. You know, everybody should be able to apply and get hired. Um, but ultimately, I think a director, I think a creative should be able to pick, who, again, who they think is the best person for the job. And if they go, listen, I just envisioned the character sounding like this. And it's a voice. It's not, you know, a, a racial thing. I just think this guy. And again, we're doing we're talking about funny voices on The Simpsons. Who can do the best funny voice? Right. Uh, the idea that you have to compromise your artistic vision or your comedic vision for the sake of some weird political game. Uh, it's very sad. I, I don't like it. It's same for actors when they say like, Oh, you can't have a straight actor play a gay character. And I'm like, I, it, first of all, isn't that a little backwards to say, right. you know, gay and straight people are so different that, <laughs> you know, we, we could never understand each other ever. It's completely different worlds. It's like, no, isn't the idea that we're all human beings. I mean, I look at a uh, Ben Kingsley who played a Gandhi, you know, mm. and it's played different characters of like all sorts of different races and whatever else. And I always thought that was kind of the magic of cinema is that it's saying, hey, listen, like we, we're all human beings deep down that like one man can embody so many different characters from so many different backgrounds. Well, sure. And especially like, no, like if you're white, you only understand the white experience. If you're black, <laughs> you only understand the black experience. And that's it. You know, I can see you know, historically how there have been some some bad versions of that like ben kingsley of course is phenomenal and has done a respectful and amazing job yeah but i'm thinking like breakfast with tiffany or breakfast at tiffany's um <laughs> yeah what's his face <laughs> who played the uh, uh mickey rooney was mickey that rooney who played the asian character that's some cringy awkward <laughs> shit to watch now i watch that and i'm just like oh boy oh god but you know that's like yeah, that's pretty bad. There's like there's like a reaction to something bad. Like Hollywood used to be the realm of white men, you know, they they controlled a lot of everything. And now it's much yeah. more diverse, and that's good. But there's the overreaction then where it's like it becomes the point entirely. And so you start to have, you know, you sacrifice story or you sacrifice the the best person for the job to meet this political agenda or the story itself becomes I don't know if you watched She-Hulk. The story itself is did, less man. about the character of She-Hulk and more about just this this very on the nose agenda in that in that show. Um, yeah, and it, it just you know, and so you have like I think I don't know. It's it's like the good good intentions pave the road to hell, like writ large all over, over everything in the mainstream right now. Yeah, I mean, obviously, look, we we again, as I've said, like we refine culture. I think now, yes. Having Mickey Rooney put in false teeth and Asian yeah. glasses or whatever and go, oh, me, Reiki. You know, okay, that's too much. <laughs> Obviously, we get that. Okay. But then, you know, you go to the office where, like, uh, again, Michael Scott's character kind of lampooned that. Mm -hmm. He said, oh, it's time to bring out my character Chang. And everybody <laughs> makes fun of him. And they're like, Mike, you, you can't do that anymore. And you go, well, that's funny. It's funny that it's changed and we know this is unacceptable and this guy you know, is living in the past and still thinks it's okay to get away with that stuff. Yeah. Uh, so there has to be like a middle ground hmm. of, again, what is the intention of the joke? I would say Mickey Rooney, you know, was mocking Asian people going, oh, look at how stupid and goofy these people are, or whatever, how backwards. 
And I, I think that there's a lot of comedy that doesn't do that, but gets accused of that. Mm-hmm. And, and it's unfair. Yeah. It, common sense. Holy shit. <laughs> we don't have, dude. But here's what I've learned is there's no such thing as common sense anymore. Because there are just people who are saying the most insane. Like, not to get, again, I hate to always like touch on these topics, which I'm sure everybody's like tired of talking about. But it's like, hey, sports. The men play against the men and the women play against the women. Doesn't that make a lot of sense? And you go, well, what if the men want to play against the women? You go, well, that would be that would be unfair. We understand this on a level. They have different physical abilities. And then we're going down this route and I go, well, guys, come on. You know, whatever. I don't know. Again, and I don't even want to talk about it because I'm going to get canceled because everybody mm-hmm. out here is nuts. But you go, guys, like we should. What did happen to common sense? Did it ever actually exist? Mm-mm. I don't know. It's bizarre. I don't think so. I mean, if you if you really no. look through throughout history, I don't think so. <laughs> no, I think, I think, it, ha- I think it exists. An illusion. It like exists in a micro on a micro scale. Like it exists yeah. between two people having a conversation. But as soon as it sort of like escalates beyond that, it just disappears. Yeah. Uh, into okay. either into institution, uh, into institutional decay, or into like mob mentality, uh, and then it's just you know goodbye. Yeah, there are just things to me that seem like they should be so obvious. Uh, <laughs> don't beat up comedians, uh, <laughs> or really most you know, people don't beat up people. Yeah, it's wh- generally a bad this? idea. <laughs> All these arguments of like, no, 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 it's okay to cause political violence as long as it's done for these reasons. I'm like, I think it's just bad regardless. Yeah. I mean. Maybe if the if the you know it's nineteen eighty four type situation, you got to fight back. Okay, I get it, but I don't think we're at that point yet, fellas. Self defense uh, is usually a pretty good uh, uh, argument for violence. Yeah, I would say that. But it. again, I get I, <laughs> that was another one where like that that Kyle Rittenhouse thing. I went, look, I don't, you don't have mm-hmm. to like kid, you don't have to like what he said, but if somebody attacks him. Okay, well, he has the right to defend himself. He doesn't know what this madman's going to do. Right. And uh, that's one thing. I'm a, I'm a guy on the left. Look, I'm still pretty much a leftist, maybe more of a centrist these days or whatever. But I have a lot of friends who are like hardcore, you know, lefties. And they go, well, that guy's a terrorist and he went there to murder people. And I went, guys, the law makes perfect sense. If someone tries to beat you up, you get to do something about it. Like you could you can't write a more clear law than that. Right. Uh, but again, the, I think. People are really bogged down in their political positions. And this is what drives me nuts. It's the reason I kind of can't even call myself a lefty anymore because they kicked me out as they go, Vito, uh, you agree with us on this, 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 and this, but you don't agree with us on position X. And that means you're, you know, I had a guy (laughs) telling me I'm basically a Trump supporter and a far right uh, white wing nut. And I'm like, bro, I voted for Biden. I voted for Obama. How, how am I the same? He's like, in my mind, you're the same as a MAGA guy at this point. I'm like, because we disagree on one thing? My yep. God. Because, uh, yep. you know, because I, I don't play this political game. I have friends who are right wingers. I do a podcast with Dick Masterson, who has a signed Trump hat, went to his goddamn rally. Okay. <laughs> and I think he's nuts. Okay. But we're still friends and we do comedy together. And I don't feel like I have to write him off as a human being because we have a couple political disagreements. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, I don't know how we've gotten into this. I think, you know what it is? Here's my theory I think that everybody wants to have an enemy. And I think that works great when the country's, for instance, let's say, in the, at war. Okay. There was a period of time in this country where it went, well, our enemy is the Germans. And then we had the Cold War and it went, well, our enemy is the Russians. Uh, you know, we went to Vietnam. Our enemy is the Vietnamese. And then everybody was kind of like, okay, well, we all know who we hate. 
<laughs> and now it's kind of the point where like we're not really in the middle of any wars or we've kind of figured out that all the wars are you know weird uh, ploys to make uh, weapons manufacturers rich so you know we're not mad at afghanistan we're not mad at you know any other foreign country so we kind of just have each other left as mm. the only enemy left to demonize it's like well i gotta hate something i guess i'll just hate the other half of the country uh and uh, yeah we're unified in our hatred it's very it's very unhealthy what we have it's very unhealthy yeah yeah it really is yeah. it, it's interesting like how you how i think you know there's always been that divide between you know liberals and conservatives or republicans sure. democrats whatever uh i just i do think that over the last i don't know maybe it is this the the internet era that's made it even worse or or maybe it's really since cable news took over but like that idea that like you have a friend who's a republican and that makes you a Republican. That's super weird to me. Like that, because I have, you know, yeah. I guess I'm also on, I consider myself on the left, like, and I have eclectic political beliefs, I guess. But I have lots of people who I respect who are are on the right. Uh, we don't always agree on everything, just like I don't agree yeah. with a lot of left positions any, um, these days. But I mean, how could you? Like, it doesn't, again, common sense, political ideas shift over time based on right. all sorts of factors right so so either you have to just accept that you're going to shift with every idea and just follow along or you're going to end up disagreeing and it's bizarre right. to me that we have gotten to a point where like if you don't agree with everything in the in on this on this platform you are no longer part of us at all i mean i've been called i was, I was called around uh i was called one of the founders of the alt-right at one point on on Twitter. Don't, oh, I get you know. accused of that stuff all the yeah. time. I have no idea where it comes from. Yeah, uh, yeah. I remember when I was like starting off and like people were like, oh, that Vito Giswaldi guy. He he was a big like alt-right Gamergate guy. And I was like, <laughs> I had nothing to do with Gamergate, bros. Like I was not even on the internet with Gamergate. You know, like not like I did not have a public persona when Gamergate was going on. I, was I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got in trouble for that. I, but I mean, yeah, like, I know that whole thing. <laughs> I tried to be really uh, fair in in the Gamergate days, but uh, you know, like I talked with Milo at the time, like several few times yeah. we we talked, but uh, you know, and he's he's crazy, but he was very eloquent, and charming individual, Look, and yeah. uh, you know, it was it, heady days. <laughs> I used to be so I used to be a game journalist. I don't know if we ever talked about this. I used to do stuff for Destructoid. Okay, uh, I was on salary for a while at this site, Game Zone or whatever. And honestly, like, I, I think you were there as well as like, we saw kind of like this over uh, progressive push because the game industry is a very progressive space. It's full mm -hmm. of hippies and weirdos. So kind of what happened to popular culture was happening in, in the game industry even sooner, I think, yeah. than a lot of other industries. It's definitely a bellwether. Yeah. And I, and I remember being like, guys, I think that you're pushing a little too hard, like your audience they're just here because they like video games. They don't want to hear like, hey, every video game is sexist. And you're a sexist if you like them. And you're also racist. And you're hurting this group and this group and this group. I'm like, how is this fun for anybody? And now we're seeing them all go out of business, which, you know, I shouldn't be gleeful. But I, I, I am gleeful in the fact that I went, I told you to stop. Like, why? And, and I think we're seeing this a lot, that people are rejecting this constant woke scolding culture. Yeah. Of nobody wants to wake up every day and be told they're a shitty person. Nobody wants to wake up every day and be told, you know, they're the, the enemy of half of America. And it's happening in our politics. It's happening in our media. And I think it's literally driving people insane. 
Like, if you think you're going to stop racism, I've seen people who went from like, eh, maybe he's a little, you know, unconventional. Maybe he has some bad ideas. Sure. If anything, all this like constant, if you don't say the right thing, we're going to take away your job. We're going to push you out of society. It seems like if anything, it's just made those people further entrenched in their yeah. ideas. You know, it's funny though. Uh, a better way, a better way yeah. to like convert people than scolding is through comedy. Like honestly, like yeah. if you if you're funny, if if you're making jokes, if if you're if you're relatable and engaging and you're and 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 you know, like that's how people I mean like it's like the gay uncle theory of like acceptance of the of of gay people, right? Like you are familiar. Yeah. You're you 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 have friends who are gay. You have uh you know, you have you see it in popular culture and it's entertaining. Gay people like in pop popular culture have been funny. That's one of the things that that became endearing yeah. about the gay community over time, and that's I think led to acceptance. But in the current moment, with with wokeism or social justice or whatever you want to call it, it's just not funny. There's nothing relatable or funny in it. It's all scolding. It's all uh, all all that the cancellation, and that's not gonna that's not gonna bring people over through you know relatable, engaging, funny you know anecdotes, whatever. Um, no, and that's it's an just, excellent it's, it's point. backwards. Yeah. It's they're doing, nope. they're doing it backwards. I totally agree. Cause here's the thing is, you know, right now, uh, if I want to, you know, make jokes about, let's say the transgender community, people will tell mm -hmm. me, well, you can't joke about that. No, it's not allowed. Right. And, but and I go, okay, well then who is going to, who, wh who will talk about the transgender community? And he goes, well, basically every, you know, political talking head is going to go in there. And a lot of them are saying, you know, frankly, crazy things that like, oh, they want to molest, you know, everybody and they're, they're all sex criminals and whatever else. And I don't agree with that. I have my own, you know, disagreements with some of the ideology, but I don't think they're inherently evil uh, people. And I don't think they're working on a Satanist agenda to destroy your children. Uh, and I would say, you know, if you let a stand up comedian get on stage and go, hey, isn't it a little weird to want to cut off your penis? Like, isn't that a little, you know, everybody laughs and that comedian goes, but you know what? If it makes you happy, what what can you do? And that's how you get to acceptance right. is like, totally. yes, uh, guys, we have to be honest. This is the first time in the whole of human history that that cutting off your dick is considered an act of great personal bravery. Like previously you would go, Oh my God, what are you doing? Now you go, way to go, man. Yeah, that's you. That's all you. Okay. Yeah. And that's, we have to be able to joke about that. We have to be able, that is inherently it's, it's funny. Humanizing. We know it's funny. Yeah. And it is humanizing. Mm -hmm. It is humanizing to be able to go, you know what? Hey, you got the freedom cut, you know, do whatever you want. Okay. Do I endorse it necessarily? I don't know. Okay. But I should be allowed to talk about it. We should be able to, you know, come to a, a greater truth, to a greater understanding. And yes, it does disarm those conversations. People watched Will and Grace and they saw a gay guy hanging around talking about, yeah, you know, I'm going to go hang out with this guy and suck his whatever. Okay. And you go, <laughs> ah, that's, you know, yeah, that's just a fun guy. Yeah, whatever. Mm -hmm. he, and, and that's how we integrate these characters. But uh, when you suck out all the, hu the humor out of it and you say, not only are you not allowed to talk about it, you're not allowed to write about it. If you want to write about it, you got to hire a sensitivity consultant to tell you everything you did wrong. If you want someone to play a transgender character, it has to be a transgender person because you're not allowed. It's like, guys, when you set up all these rules and you make yourself a sacred cow that no one's allowed to talk about, uh, naturally, you you become people have a problem with it. Let's put well, it you that. get you become closed off from from the rest of humanity. For one thing, it it yeah. puts you into some on a pedestal or in an ivory tower or in some 
or a glass box where you are no longer part of just that messy, funky, weird, sometimes ugly, sometimes beautiful part, you know, thing that makes up humanity. Uh, ironically, the Dave Chappelle special that got him in so much trouble actually had a pretty powerful, I thought, pretty powerful story about a trans yeah. person, um, yeah. which, which again, was a comedy special that was controversial, but ultimately I thought was a humanizing story about a, a person who was trans and very sad, right. actually, in the end. Um, so I, I was pretty confused. I, I'd heard about all that controversy, uh, and then I watched the special, and then I was confused. <laughs> you know, like, then I was the special like, is not nearly as offensive as they make it out to be. No, uh, I mean I think it's because he says things that are pr- provocative, as comedians do, and people took it to be face as face value rather than as something provocative to get you thinking. I mean, like part of comedy is to piss people off to to disarm them so that you can then say something that makes them think. And uh, I don't know, like, I guess, I guess. Yeah. yeah, And we're losing a lot of that. We're losing. um, People have lost the ability to conceptualize the idea that something somebody says on stage or as a joke or, or in a book or whatever else does not necessarily reveal Everybody, everybody thinks they're like a conspiracy theorist mastermind now <laughs> as they go, well, he said this, but what he really meant is this. And you go, I think what he meant was what he said on stage. You know, I think <laughs> he's trying, you know, they, they all want to say, well, secretly, this means he hates trans people or JK Rowling said this, but secretly she wants us all to die. And I go, well, that's your theory. I don't see the basis for it. Uh, I think we just have to take people at face value and, and what they say is what they mean. And, and unfortunately we have everybody constantly looking for secret meanings and everything and thinking everything is, you know, a secret plot against various communities. Uh, look, I can understand wanting to speculate and yes, maybe there are some guys who do this kind of dog whistling thing where they go, you know who sure. I'm talking about. Right. And like, yeah, okay. There is some of that, but it's not everybody. And, and to try and accuse everybody of having these these secret hateful agendas, uh, I don't know. Everybody again, I think everybody's gone insane, and we're all constantly looking around to try and figure out who the enemy is. And a lot of the times, there just isn't one. It's just we're all human beings. We're all complex. We're all making mistakes, uh, and we don't solve the. <laughs> we aren't made better people by when somebody makes a mistake. We get on Twitter and we try to ruin their life and their career. I don't think that pushes us in the right direction. Doesn't seem to be working too well. Um, so back to Superkiller. Uh, this 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 campaign was for the first issue, right? Yes. And yes. so, is there? Do you have plans for like more issues? Is this? A- I have. Yes, I have a little document which I'm constantly adding to uh, of where I would like this to go. Uh, I don't want this to be you know a one time thing. I would love for this to be an ongoing series. Uh, part of the problem, you know, with comics is. You know, like DC, a lot of people to try to make a quality book, it takes time. People are like, well, a comic, you make a comic every month, right? And you're like, yeah, but if you look at those monthly comics, they're not great. Like they kind of rush them out. So it's going to be trying kind of interesting to figure out what is the sweet spot and like how many issues can I realistically put out in a year? You know, this one took a lot of time because there was a lot of pre-production, a lot of planning. Ideally, if I could somehow find a way to put out like two issues a year, that would be ideal. Maybe, I don't know, maybe more, but I would love for this to be, you know, a real story that evolves and we have so many fun places to take it. Again, he go going to all these different worlds 
and, you know, having to deal with the different realities there. You know, one one world we want to do is, you know, he goes to like an anime world and has to fight these magical girls <laughs> and whatever else. And we've had discussions about other. And then also, you know, a lot of the stuff I want to do, I'm giving away some spoilers, is like, what is this weird agency that has recruited not only him, but there are other agents like him that are out here killing superheroes. And he's actually one of the most well-adjusted among them. Like some of these other guys are like, I just love killing superheroes, man. He's like, yeah, you guys are fucked. Something's wrong with you. Right. So, you know, I want to dig into this agency and all these different guys. They got working for them. All these weirdos and creeps who are out here murdering, you know, and they're murdering the good guys. It, it sucks. And is there a way, like, is there a way, do we really need to be doing this? Is there a different way to fix the multiverse? Like, there's a lot of stuff we want to do. Uh, hopefully we, we can make something happen. But the way that this first issue is going, that people are behind it, if people get behind the character and they like the premise, I, I think we can do a lot with it. And I, I'm very excited. Hell yeah. Well, it sounds fun. I'm, I'm excited for it. Oh man, it's so fun! I'll, I'll I'll have to show you this document sometime. We have a list of like all the different people we want them to fight, and it's like <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Some of them, some of them, honestly, I'm talking about like comedy. I'm like, all right, well, that one might actually be a little too far. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you got like but, options. I mean, it's the kind of story where you, I imagine, it does give you a, a lot of creative freedom, and, and and maybe even like that's true. There's a lot. There's a lot of different ways that we could take it. You know. Yeah. I have I have the ending in mind. I know. Oh God, there's so many twists and turns, you know. But you can't get ahead of self for your creator. You got to take it one step at a time. Although know? having an yep. ending in mind is really important. Uh, it is, as we've seen so many things. times in so many stories. The lack of an ending <laughs> really hurts. Yeah. <laughs> you should know. You don't know. You don't need to know it exactly. But my storytelling advice would be: you should know where this is going. J.J. Mm -hmm. uh, Abrams, for example, is a guy who goes, wouldn't it be cool if we just figured it out as we went along? And it's yeah. like, no, stop. Well, I mean, speaking of Star Wars, up, how, how on earth could they have not have planned out that trilogy from the beginning? I how? don't know. It is one it of the great mysteries. <laughs> that was so crazy. I, I, like, the only possible explanation is they just wanted, they had just paid whatever, what, what was it, $9 billion, or $28 billion for Star Wars, whatever it was. No, it wasn't. Billion, it was a lot less than twenty. Yeah, it was like yeah, four billion. I think it was two point four billion. I, th I think I compared it to the gross domestic product of Liberia. It was an <laughs> incredible amount of money. Uh, and they went, "We need to make a movie immediately because that's a lot of money we just spent." Because I would have said, "Okay, we bought Star Wars. Let's spend five years uh -huh. planning it out, or at least I don't know, two years, three years." Instead, it seems that they were just like. We need to make a movie immediately to start making that money back. And again, well, I mean, they were high on all the Marvel money they'd been making. So yeah. I think Marvel gave Disney a big head. I think Marvel, they went, we are gods among men. Everything we yeah. do turns to gold. The Marvel universe is the greatest success story in the history of movie making. Surely we will just get it right. And they quickly learned, no, this is, a, you needed to take some time and think about this. Well, it's so uh, strange too because Marvel, honestly, like at least they had a bit of a plan. Like they have done, you know, for all the criticisms of the MCU, they have done a pretty good job of linking a lot of different stories into yeah. one cinematic. The MCU universe. is still a Herculean effort of storytelling. Yeah. It's like it's literally mystifying. We have never seen this before in the whole of human history. Right? Has there been such a complex universe with so many working parts and people working on it? 
So you can't take that away from them. The problem is like thinking that that was going to continue forever and that you could just infinitely replicate it when you could have just looked and been like, well, everyone else who's trying to replicate it, you know, they tried to have a, (laughs) what do you call it? They tried to have the dark universe and the DC universe and like everybody Mm -hmm. else failed at it. Uh, Disney, I don't think you possess some magical uh, skill to get it done. You really do need the planning and, and the time and the great storytellers to figure out your lore and whatever else. There were so many people involved in Star Wars before the sequel trilogy, you know, writers in the extended universe, uh, you know, people involved with Clone Wars. It, it's it's crazy that they just didn't find a crack team of, of Star Wars people to come up with a trilogy and block it out before they started filming. It just, it's, it's just crazy. crazy that one, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and then after it went off the rails, they went, you know what we're going to do? We're going to get the guy who wrote Batman v Superman to fix it. And I went, <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? What are you doing? Like, no, no, no. Him and J.J. Abrams, they've got it figured. That was the worst part is that I honestly, I look at The Last Jedi. The I, th- I don't like uh, Force Awakens. I hate The Last Jedi. But I looked at that movie and I looked at it very intently. And I, in my head, I went, I think you can fix this. I think you could. You can't fix it entirely. I think no matter what that third movie, people are going to go, whatever. But I think you could have at least got to a point where it's like, okay, at least something happened that was kind of interesting and leaves the series on a good note. I actually started writing my own version of Star Wars Episode Nine. I still want to finish it at some point because I think you could have fixed it if you did a couple things. Uh, My most controversial one is... I think you have to bring Luke Skywalker back from the dead. I know that sounds <laughs> stupid, but I don't think you can end the Star Wars uh, sequel trilogy with the entire with Han, Luke, and Leia dead. It's too depressing. It's, it's like they depressing. all died. Not one of them gets to. Oh my god! So that I have was all strange, these right? Of- yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was thinking about it the other day. Is that famously? Um, for Return of the Jedi, which I saw is in theaters again, uh, Lawrence Kasdan was like, we got to kill Han Solo. And George Lucas was kind of like, what is this Hollywood rule that we got to kill somebody? Like, why is that a necessity? Hmm. Like, I don't think we do have to kill Han Solo. Now, some people will argue that maybe Han's you know arc was already done by that movie and maybe you could have killed him off. But I think Star Wars is enduring and fun because of the idea that the character's continue on they're serial adventurers right it's based on flash gordon they continue to have adventures they might show up again at any point i think killing them off just because they're old and uh cutting cutting off an entire realm of storytelling did han solo really need to die did it really did his kid really need to kill him i mean yes it makes for i mean honestly i thought that whole death scene was terrible but I guess in my mind, I can understand how the death of Han Solo could be deep and meaningful, but I don't know. You know why not? Why? What, what, what Leia, that's the only that? death that made sense, and that is strictly because of the practical reality on the ground, honestly. And that was the I one mean, they didn't want to do. She was yeah. supposed to be the one who survived. Yep. Yep. Oh, Lord. <laughs> God, the that's fact it. that they used... The, the the footage they used Ugh. of her uh, in the third movie, yeah. they just had leftover footage of her handing over a lightsaber. So yeah, the two scenes of her, we we did like a we did like a commentary, and I'm like, all right, here's the scene where she gives Ray the lightsaber, and she just hands it over, and, and now she's gonna take it back. That's the only scene they have is them oh, handing God. a lightsaber back and forth. Oh, it's so it's, ridiculous. Go, it's a little ghoulish too, you know, using 
using Carrie Fisher after she's already passed. You know, it's just like, ah, I don't know. They had a, they had an opportunity and, to to end her arc in a really in a much better way, and they and they they blew it. Not to mention, guys, I, I make this point in my Rise of Skywalker review, which I, I think people should watch, and was hilarious, is that Carrie Fisher was not only you know a Star Wars person, but was like a Hollywood legend. She wrote for movies like The Wedding Singer, Sister Act, like you know she was a famous in Hollywood and did all this stuff like. And this is the death of her most po- beloved character of all time, an enduring figure from across like 40 years. And the movie spends like 30 seconds mm-hmm. of just like her dead body under a sheet. And you're like, that's the send off for Carrie Fisher. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And then I compare it to, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy volume two. Uh, the second Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Yeah. Have you seen it? I have. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. What, what- uh, which, which remember Mondu or remember the yeah remember Yandu or Yandu some guy, Yandu. some blue guy dies yeah. <laughs> okay what does yeah. that movie end with it ends with like a like a five minute funeral yeah. sequence and there's lights in the sky and every character takes time to reflect and they go Yandu what a great hero I you know uh, he has inspired me and how how incredible it is that we were you know in his last moments he was able to save us all and what land does get anything close to Yandu I know why does Yandu get better than Leia fucking Organa Carrie Fisher like that's crazy yeah yeah it's It's because that movie was just jammed full of garbage yeah. and just everyone's running around and screaming at each other and then the it didn't pacing take is so any bad. time the pacing oh is so bad the pacing they is talked so to the guy bad. who made it and he's like well i wanted to make two movies but disney wouldn't let me so, <laughs> so i just uh, crammed them together so i just crammed it all you just crammed it all together what is wrong with you don't do that don't, just come up with a different plot <laughs> Oh, and God. the plot makes no sense. They're like it's like a Goonies adventure. They're solving mysteries. I'm like, that's how you're gonna end the trilogy with a fucking scavenger hunt? This is I, the stupidest. Honestly, thing. if it had been anywhere near as good as the Goonies, I would have been happy. But uh, sure, that is but not it's like the there's a, there's a magic <laughs> knife that leads to a magic triangle, and then they break the, the triangle, the, so it doesn't even matter. Oh God! Oh my God! That oh, movie is. Yeah. Uh, if anyone ever hires Chris Terrio to write a movie again, they're the <laughs> dumbest person in the world. The only job that guy should have should be ladling out soup in the Warner Brothers cafeteria. He doesn't have a creative <sighs> bone in his body. My God. Chris did you like Terrio. Andor? I did like Andor. I liked Andor I, didn't a lot. Love, I don't know if I loved Andor, but I did like Andor. It is very strong. Yeah, that was really uh, good. I, one of the most interesting things about that is listening to um, – to Tony Gilroy talk about how he hired a lot of people who weren't hardcore Star Wars fans to make it. Yeah. Because he wanted to be able to, uh, to not be beholden to the Star Wars universe as much, you know, so he wanted to be able to, 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 to confront some of the, uh, I guess, sacred cows or whatever. But the ironic thing about that is that they ended up making a show that felt more true to Star Wars than most of the Disney era Star Wars. And, it's weird because Star Wars is a brand that has like a complicated identity. Yeah. Because some of it is like, you know, great heroism and, you know, uh, deep uh, space opera or whatever else. And some of it is, you know, fucking droids and stupid monsters going, and like all this yes. goofiness and weirdo <laughs> shit. And like, it's really hard to find the balance. Yeah. A lot of Star Wars stuff, it does kind of get bogged down in the oh dooku bookadoo and like you know all that garbage 
And I think what you find out is like, okay, yeah, we like a little bit of that, but mostly, guys, what we want is like a good, serious, like space epic story. Yeah, you know, we don't want Jack Black and Lizzo playing. Oh my god, goofball with a little baby Yoda character. (laughs) Oh my god, you know, like you can do that. You got to do that. Like you get like one scene. Yeah. Here's Jack Black. He does a funny thing. And then cut and go make us the rest of the episode should be serious. But it's I mean, they had Christopher like, Lloyd in that episode. That's all they needed. Why? Be, yeah. <laughs> why put in two more major cameos when you've got Christopher Lloyd? It makes and Jack Black should have been an alien or a robot or something instead of Jack Black. Like he should have just yeah. voiced something. It, it's, he's too no, Jack Black. True. I mean, I love Jack that's Black, true. but he's just too Jack Black. So you got to put him. I mean. Like uh, you know, in in Rogue One, it was uh, Alan Tudyk who did the voice of one of the of the droid, and oh, okay. yeah. and that's good because it that was awesome. He's a great, he's got a great voice. He's a very funny man, but he, he I like that he was. Like, sometimes you don't need to have the the face of the actor. You just right. you know you can just have you know we've got a lot of options for for face for for masks and robots and aliens in Star Wars. But um, yeah, I yeah. don't know. Yeah, I think Andor probably was was not funny as funny as star Wars should be on balance. Like it should be a little bit goofy now and then. And it was real, real it serious had a little stuttering droid, but the stuttering droid was kind of sad. He was sad. <laughs> I felt really bad yeah. for him. And I they did that Andor really well. Is really trying. I think, but I think, you know what? You almost have to do with Andor because Andor yeah. is trying to be like, listen, man, let's be real. Like this is the German seizing control and putting of everyone the in the universe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is the bad part of the star Wars. Yeah. Okay. You can have maybe you have a little levity. I mean, even even uh, Schindler's List, you get a couple of good laughs, but <laughs> 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 yeah. not at the parts at yeah. the parts that are meant to be funny. <laughs> oh my god, that's a terrible. Uh, part of but uh, no, the best I, part, and isn't it Ben Kingsley in Schindler's List where he goes? Uh, it's like, oh, there's a you got to go this way, and he goes, are there any Jews left? You know, he's got that Jewish humor, and I'm like, oh, that's great. <laughs> so I think Andor though is just like so dark and depressing that I'm like, all right, guys, you gotta give me, you gotta give me a little levity. Uh, yeah, but I, although I then do you, like- you compare it with like this season of The Mandalorian, and it's like it's just so dumb and and goofy yeah. the whole time, like not even funny, goofy, just like bad. I don't yeah, know, just like weird, like it's like camp. It's like yeah. way too campy. Book too of campy. Boba was the same way, where yep. I was like. Uh, Robert Rodriguez, I think, does not understand Star Wars. He's like, totally. Oh, is it cool how like camp and pop and whatever it is? I'm like, no, treat it seriously. Stop. Mm-hmm. Or Stop Obi-Wan. Going, oh, it's so weird, man. Like, ooh, what if these kids had like, what if there was like 50s motorbikes in space? Like, don't make it stupid. You know. Well, like that's the thing. Like that's what Andor does really well. Also, is that it gets the aesthetic right. And I think that Star Wars is so much about the aesthetic. That it's it's really important that you get that right. You have you know yeah. the hairstyles, the the weird. I mean, it's kind of like a seventies you know look. You yeah, really yeah. have to get that. I, right. I was going to say the same thing. Like when you go, whatever that guy is who uh, really wants to work for the Empire or whatever, mm-hmm. and you go to his mom's weird apartment and he's eating like space cereal and yeah. this stupid seventies looking booth. I'm like, this is so much cooler than everything. Anything. I watched yeah. that guy eat space cereal. I was like, this is for, like, to me, as a guy who cares about aesthetics and art and whatever, I'm like, I find this infinitely more interesting than Mando swinging around the dark saber. Oh, yeah. Like, and and same with like uh, Mon Mothma's apartments. And there's just yeah. a lot of really interesting architectural and, and interior design there, symbolism that parallels other scenes throughout uh, throughout the show. You know, it's just, yeah. 
it, it, they really the attention to detail and just getting that aesthetic, that feel, that mood, even the even the soundtrack, all of that. Uh, I love that you don't really hear the Star Wars themes. I actually went back and watched Rogue One after Andor, and like right off, you're hearing like the Force, and you're hearing the Star Wars theme music, yeah. and I'm like, hmm, this actually makes this feel worse to me. Like I like that Andor kind of like yeah. gave us all of that great juicy aesthetic, but didn't like shove the the like the force down our throats didn't make it like so obviously star Wars in, in the sort of almost more superficial ways. It's it really brave. World. It's like a, it's a star Wars show. That's going, we're not going to just give you the fan service. We're not right. going to do it, but we're going to be really like, true gonna, to this universe. Still anything. I don't have, they did they do anything fan servicey in Andor? Was there any like reference or anything? There was no Skywalker stuff. Thank God almighty. Um, they actually, Grand they were off Ark and come back. Was there not? Mm-mm. Was that all rogue one? That was Rogue One, and that was the, yeah. one of the worst parts of it. Um, what, and they even like were very – they were subversive and I thought, a super effective way. I know people like subversive can be a bad word now. But um, in the speech that, uh, that the one re- rebel like idealist has yeah. – that, that Andor listens to, it, it, the, the last line is um, – it's like, above all else, try. And I thought that was like a really – cool way because he's talking about like that that whole speech is amazing like i i read that every once in a while because it's yeah. like talks about how like freedom is natural and organic and authority is brittle and then at the very end he says above all else try and it's such a, a counter to yoda's do or do not right. there is no try which over the years i admit i've never really liked do or do not there is no try it feels really weird to me like like it goes against kind of, I guess, my own ethos of like you. You have to try things. Like if you don't try things, right. you're you're never going to succeed. You know, you're never going to fail, so you're never going to succeed. I don't know. I just thought it was like a that really was always one well of the interesting done. parts of this. Yeah, of the Star Wars universe that everybody always wanted to see explored is like the Jedi were kind of okay. The Jedi Shit. were cool. <laughs> they flipped around. They had lightsabers, but they were also a like deeply flawed religious order mm-hmm. that clung to like some weird ideas of like. Well, you're not allowed to love anybody. It's like, well, what if it's going to drive me insane and turn me into a crazy Sith psychopath? Right. I'm like, well, still not allowed to do it or talk to anybody about it. Uh, yeah, that would have been. Andor is great. It's it's great. It is, but the problem is, I don't even think it got good viewing numbers. No, so I don't know what I don't know what they do. It's, well, it's I mean, possible that, that people point, were just turned off to Star Wars. I think so. I think people are really burning out because shit has just not been good. Uh, you know, same yeah. with like. By the time Solo re- released, I don't think Solo was just a bad movie. I think it was it was just there was so much bad Star Wars leading up to Solo, and um, but I also with- just think the brand doesn't have a brand identity. It's like, yeah. and we're seeing this with Marvel. Is that like Marvel used to be all the same thing? These are colorful family films. They're fun. Mm-hmm. You go see them. You waste some time. There's some action and whatever and whatever. And then they started getting into, oh, but what if it was like a dark drama or what if it was horror or whatever else? And it's like, well, now I don't know what Marvel movies are. They're all sorts of or TV shows or anything. It's like the brand is all over the place. Yeah. And the same with Star Wars is that I'm like, OK, well, what is Star Wars? Like some of it's for kids. Some of it's a little more adult. Some of it, it's violent. And some of it, it's like goofy robots and Ewoks and shit. Uh, I think they got to pick a lane and they refuse to and fans are kind of feeling this whiplash of like bro i don't i don't know when i go to watch a star wars am i gonna get you know last jedi am i gonna get mandalorian am i gonna get andor like what is the tone Mm -hmm. what is the overarching feel it's just like all over the well and that goes back to before disney i mean the prequel trilogy 
you know, was yeah. such a huge tonal and aesthetic shift from the original trilogy. Uh, just, you know, all, and I remember all as over a the kid place. hating it. Being oh, like, I hated it so much. Star Wars. Yeah. Dude, I went to, uh, the first one, um, in theaters and I was like 18 or something and 18, 19. I don't know. I was a teenager. Yeah. Uh, and I was so excited and I, you know, I didn't even, I had to pee like halfway through, but I didn't leave the theater. Cause I was like, I, this is going to get good. I swear to God, it's gonna get, I left and I was just like, <laughs> what the fuck was that? I was so pissed off. <laughs> and then Dude, every, I remember you being know, like, what happened to like all the lived in sets and like, it yeah, was, like, like everything was like so shiny and regal and, Right. Other than the Jedi robes, nothing looked the same. Like, yeah. like just looked like a, like the spaceships were different. You know, dude, the spaceships pl- were yellow. I was like, yeah. where are the X-Wings? Where are the, yeah. Like, they- yeah. And the Stormtroopers are now like just these stupid battle droids that are like goofy. Like, oh, God, a Jar Jar really, Binks. George really screwed <laughs> up with the battle droids. Oh, my God. If he had made the battle droids at least look cool, the big hulking ones were almost cool. Yeah. But the fact that they were just like pointing their arms forward and firing a laser is like, nah, give them like guns and stuff. Uh, but those stupid little rabbit looking battle droids, I was like, yeah. oh, bro. The CGI the was was not it, it it was state of the art, but it still looked worse than practical effects in the in the movies that were yeah, 20 years older. I just I was. And so honestly, when people are like, give Star Wars back to Lucas, I'm like, nah, fuck Disney. Fuck Lucas. <laughs> they, n- we need somebody who actually has vision to run Star Wars. And I don't know who that would be, but uh, so, I don't know. Like. I, I, just, I mean, my honest belief is that I don't think you can fix it at this point. You probably I think, can't. Or probably I, not I, anytime I, soon. I no longer believe in the, in the power of uh, the endless franchise. Yeah. Okay. I will make the argument that Star Wars was exciting to you because a guy shows you a lightsaber and you go, what the fuck? I've never seen that before. Mm-hmm. The Force is a magic power. You're like, oh, my God. All the excitement of these franchises is learning the rules of how they work, learning the technology. You know, learn, learn, once you, but once you learn everything, I know what the force is. I know what the lightsaber is. I know what a clone war is. Like all the mysteries have been solved. So yeah. you have to, the only thing left is to create either a create these these filler shows. Like yeah, but you know who got the Death Star plans? It's like I, I don't know. I, yeah, show 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 me that. Or to like come up with new mysteries, but it's very limited in what you can do. Like yeah. what what is left to learn about the Star Wars universe? Yeah. Well, and the original trilogy told a really satisfying arc. You yeah. know, you you get it. You by the end of that trilogy, it's like okay, like they beat the bad guys. You know, Luke had a bonding Peace moment with his dad. Yeah. You know, everything. The balance has been restored to the Force, and then they're like, "Nah, that's not actually the balance. We, we got the balance is going to be off balance again, and we got to restore the balance of the Force again." And it's like, yeah, guys, I don't know. Uh, the whole, I, the idea that what drives me nuts is that your whole story, when your hero wins the day and Luke wins at the end of the original trilogy is that we go, okay, well the nature of heroism and good storytelling is that the hero is rewarded for his efforts. Okay. He doesn't destroy the empire and then they go, yeah, but you're a piece of shit. No one loves you. It's like, (laughs) no, you're a great hero. Congratulations. You, you did the right thing. Okay, you are a morally good person. You resisted the call of the dark side. And for that, you will be justly rewarded and restore the Jedi Order and live whatever. And instead, in the sequel trilogy, it goes, you can be a great guy and you can do everything right. But uh, then some snot nosed nephew is going to (laughs) show up and kill all your uh, people. And then you're going to go off yourself on an island. 
I'm I, like, I, how, I think how is that an have. exciting story for anyone? That's the most depressing fucking thing I've ever heard. I mean, it could be a really good story. I just, I'm not sure it's a Star Wars story. You know, like, like it yes, could be an st- interesting look, story. It's just not a Star Wars story. You can tell these subversive stories. I have mm-hmm. no problem with the version. Yes, obviously, in the real world, you can do everything right, and you might end up mm-hmm. down and destroyed. And that's a great story for certain genres. We're talking about space fantasy epics for children, where everybody yeah. spent the last 30 years or whatever it is going, I love Luke Skywalker, and I'm so glad that at the end of that movie, he got what he wanted. And to have somebody show up and go, well, actually, did you know that afterwards his life yeah. fell apart and he was a piece of shit? You're like, who the fuck are you to do that to me? What are you doing? What is well, not to even psychologically wrong with you that you take <sighs> yeah. this hopeful icon that has endured for 30, 40 years and go, actually, he's a fucking failure. And, <laughs> uh, that is that is like sinister. Ryan Johnson yeah. is a legitimately horrible person for taking that away from us. Oh God. Now I'm depressed. He spurted it. Spurted it. Fuck you, subvert my dick, you fucking piece of uh, that's why you just you can't get connected. You can't attach yourself to this stuff because it'll drive you nuts thinking about what could have been. It could have been just all you had to do was go, here's Luke. Uh, he's living in the Jedi Temple. There's a new generation of Jedi. They're running around the universe, whatever. Like, that's all we wanted. Yeah. Let's have another adventure. Let's have a new conflict. Let's not repeat the Death Star. Let's not repeat the Empire. Let's do something new How with do this. You, you look at the <laughs> movies on a timeline. It goes, Return of the Jedi was the name of the sixth movie. You're like, ah, the Jedi are back. The eighth movie is called The Last Jedi. And you're like, well, why the fuck did they return then? What is the point <laughs> right. of that? I know. What a waste right. of my time. <laughs> you don't go from the return. They've returned. That was the whole <laughs> point of the movie to then, and now there's only one? Well, who returned then? What happened? Ah, it makes me it makes me crazy. I'm going nuts still. That's why I can't talk about Star Wars anymore. Because I just, I go nuts. I go crazy. And we've come full circle. We have come full circle. Cool. All right. Well, man, this has been fun. Um, Super killer. It's on Indiegogo for a couple months, right? Your campaign. On Indiegogo. I have the campaign going for two months just because I wanted to give myself time. I didn't think it was going to hit the goal right away. So I said it for a long time, but this is great. Good problem to have. Well, yeah, it also gives people time to go, you know, let's be real. It's a weird economic situation for people. Sometimes you got to be like, all right, I want to buy it, but I can't buy it now. Maybe I'll buy it next month. So you got a little bit of time, but please check it out. Again, if you're wor- if, if you look at the state of modern media and you're like, what are these people doing? As I'm saying right now, the change is going to come from the independent scene. Okay. You have people making independent comics, movies, music, whatever else. And the mainstream is going to look at the success we're having and they're going to go, okay, we're doing something wrong because these guys are knocking it out of the park. So even if you don't buy my comic, go on these sites like Kickstarter, like Indiegogo. If you have a couple bucks in your pocket and you see a cool project, like support it. Because if you yeah. want to see change, this, this is the only way it happens. Okay. Yeah. I go to comic conventions and I just, I go to all the indie booths and the comics or whatever. And I just buy a bunch of comics. I, don't, I barely even look at them because I go, you know what? At least you're creating something that's different from the mainstream. Just just keep making stuff because yep. right now culture's in a dumpster and the, the mainstream does not want to change it. It has to be the independent guys. Yeah. And it's same uh, across gaming, uh, yes. you know, tabletop games, RPGs, all that. There's there's a lot of great. All stuff the innovation and, is coming from yep. the, from the independents and it's fantastic. Be a part of it. Even if you're not a, if, if you're a creator yourself, make your own stuff. But even if you're not, you know, support your friends, support people you see doing cool stuff. Like that, that's the best you you spend all this money on Netflix and whatever the hell else you give all this money. To these guys who make trash 
spend a little bit of money, hopefully, you know, making this independent revolution happen. I'm very excited about it. Fucking A. All right, man. Well, thanks. Thanks for chatting. That was fun. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, man. It was a good talk. Thank you.